Amen. And uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, I am in 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse uh, 10. And this is what the Word of the Lord says. It says, After Jesse presented seven of his sons uh, to him, that's to to Samuel, uh, Samuel told Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons that you have? Well, they're still the youngest, he answered. But right now, he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down and eat until he gets there. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes, healthy, handsome appearance. And then the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. And uh, this morning, uh, I, I want to kind of pick up uh, where, where we began. And we started the series with this really, really important truth. I'll put it on the screen for you. And it was this, that in the story of David and Goliath, we're not David. Jesus is, right? We like to read the story, we're like, okay, I'm, what are my five smooth stones going to be? You know, one is going to be a good temper, and, and the other is going to be reliance on prayer. Like, whatever, like we get our stones, we kind of get off. But, it, but in the story, we're, we're actually not... David, that's, that's Jesus' role. And so that's where we began week one. And then we said, uh, as such, Jesus has already defeated all the giants that we face. Our problem is typically we don't walk in the victory he's provided. But then we also shared, but, but defeated giants are still deadly. Right? They're still deadly. And that's why we're struggling. We live in this already not yet kingdom. And so this week, as we kind of tie up this series, next week we start a brand new one. As we tie it up, I want to go back to that original truth that I shared with you. That, that in the story of David and Goliath... We are not David, Jesus is, because I want to tie it all back together and tell you what that means. So there's three things I want to share with you this morning as we discover what that truth that Jesus is David means for us. And here's the first thing it means. It means that Jesus is our good shepherd who has defeated the giants of sin and death. That Jesus is our good shepherd who has defeated the giants of sin and death. All right. As you read through First uh, Samuel 16 and 17, I hope you've done that. I hope you're reading the Bible with us. We have free Bible reading plans down here. First Samuel's been awesome. We actually finish First Samuel tomorrow. Uh, is is chapter 31. We jump into Second Samuel. Great day for you to pick up a Bible reading plan and jump in with us. Uh, and uh, and and so as you read through First Samuel 16 and 17, God makes it a point to highlight David as shepherd. Right? I mean, we just read this in, in 1611. Samuel asked him, that's Jesse, are, are these all the sons that you have? Well, they're still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Right? When, when David shows up to the battle lines, uh, his, his brother mention it, mentions it in, in 1 Samuel 17, 28. He says, who did you leave those few sheep with in, in the wilderness? A- after Saul uh, tells David, uh, no, you can't, you're not able to go against this giant. He's been a champion since his youth. David defends himself in 1 Samuel 17, 34. He says, uh, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. And then he goes on to say, whenever a lion or a bear came up, I grabbed him with my bare hands and I killed him, right? Uh, and, and then, of course, um, when, when David decides to set aside Saul's armor, right? Saul says, okay, you can fight him, but you've got to put on my armor. And we talked about that last week. And, 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 and uh, Saul had a lot of insecurities. He kind of places that stuff on David. David's like, nope, I've got to be me. I've got to be who God made me to be. He sets aside the armor. And, uh, and this is what it says in 1 Samuel seventeen forty. It says, he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the wadi and he put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Right? In his shepherd's bag. Over and over and over again, 1 Samuel 16 and 17, 
it references the fact that David is a shepherd. Why is that important? Okay, ready? Because of Jesus, right? That's important because of, of Jesus. Because listen, the story of David and Goliath is, is a real story. It's a historical story. It actually happened. But God ordained that history to happen so that he could paint a picture of what's to come. He did the same thing at Passover, right? Passover really happened. It was, it, it was a real historical event. But he's painting a picture of what's going to come in Jesus. He's doing the same thing here in the story of David and Goliath. He's painting a picture that another shepherd is coming. That a better shepherd is, is yet to come. And like this David, uh, who is, is born to be king, so too this shepherd will be born to be king. Uh, like this David, who's rejected by his brothers and has to walk out on the battlefield alone while others scoff, so too this coming king will be rejected by his brothers. That's us. He will have to walk into the final battlefield alone. That's the cross, where he will die for our sake while others scoff. And make fun of him. Right? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is that this Jesus, who is our good shepherd, like that, that's the connection that God's making here in 1 Samuel. We actually find it in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13 it says this, uh, God speaking to David, he says, When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body. And I will establish his kingdom. Now people think that's just talking about Solomon. It, again, it has a, a future, uh, future uh, reference to, to Jesus here. It says, He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so get this, when Jesus is born, right, God says, hey, through you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring someone who's going to establish a, a lasting kingdom forever. When Jesus is born, I, I want you to check out his family tree. This is kind of the birth certificate, ready? Uh, and, and, and it comes with a title given to Jesus, Matthew 1.1. It says, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, ready? Here's the title, the son of David. The son of David, right? And, and, and man, this title sticks, by the way. Uh, all through the Gospel of Matthew, people have encounters with this Jesus. I, I just selected one. There were about nine of them, okay? And I already have nine scriptures in the first point. So we would have been here all day. So here's one of them. Uh, Matthew 9, 27. As Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him, calling out. Listen to what they call out. Have mercy on us. What? Son of David. Son of David. Stuff like this happens again and again and again throughout the Gospels with people who encounter Jesus and they call him son of David. And that's really important because Jesus saw them, it says in the scriptures, as helpless sheep without a shepherd. Right? It says that they had no shepherd. Like their, 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 their spiritual leaders were not leading them. So they were helpless sheep without a shepherd. And he had come to do just that, to lead them to the Father, to lead them to the green pasture. Listen, like David, Jesus was a shepherd. In fact, he said this of himself, John ten eleven. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? That's the connection. That's the connection. Jesus, like David, walked onto that battlefield by himself, scorned and rejected by his brothers. Right? And he fought the final battle with death 
and with sin. But on the third day, he rose again victorious. Our giants have been defeated. Jesus is our good shepherd. All right, so that's the first thing we have. Second thing I want you to understand is that this, this promise of this good shepherd, Jesus promises to provide a bounty for us in the midst of our battles with the enemy. Okay, Jesus promises to provide a bounty for us in the midst of our battles with the enemy. So we need to understand that in the story of David and Goliath, um, we are not David, Jesus is. And, and, and Jesus, he's our, he's, it's the shepherd connection. He's the good shepherd. So what does the, the good shepherd do? Well, we actually, we have an account of what the good shepherd does. Psalm 23. If you have your Bible still, uh, I'm in the 23rd Psalm. Let's read it together. Maybe you guys can quote it uh, from memory. You'll probably quote the King James Version. That's what we all do. Uh, when we, that's like the Lord's Prayer. We have a tendency to quote the King James Version. I'm reading from the CSV. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, King James, through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I'll fear no evil. I'll fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love... For surely goodness and mercy, King James Version, will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I shall live. I want to focus on this, this fifth verse because it's, it's crazy. That fifth verse, I'll put it up on the screen for you. Here it is. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So check this out. This is, this is Jesus. Now Jesus has already won. Right? But we still find ourselves in battles. Jesus is our good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd prepares a table for us in the presence of the enemy. So, so he promises to provide a bounty for us in the midst of our battles with the enemy. Now let's be honest, that is not what we expect. When we are in battle, we're not expecting dinner. Right? That's not what we're expecting. We're expecting, I don't know, a, a, a machine gun. We want a bomb to be dropped. Better yet, just get us out of here, Lord, right? I mean, that's, that's what we'll, we want is not to have to face battle. I don't want to walk through the valley of darkness. Like, like that, that's not the, the shadow of death. Like, that's not what we want. We don't want that at all, right? If it, if it were us, we, we, we'd have a different plan. But God never promises... That because of Jesus, we won't face battles. God never promises that because of Jesus, we won't face battles or we won't have to deal with the enemy. That's not the promise. Here is the promise. Ready? Here's the promise. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the battle, while, while the enemy is taunting us and breathing murderous threats, in the midst of all that, Jesus will set up a table for just you and he. And there at that table, he will provide you with everything you need to make it through. That's the promise. He'll lay before you a bounty, a, a feast, and he'll provide you with everything you need. You remember why David was sent to the battle lines in the first place? What he brought with him? He brought with him provisions. Provisions, right? He, he literally brought provisions for, for the soldiers. He, in the midst of this battle, which Jesus has already done, like we want out, he's like, no, no, let's sit down and eat. I'm going to give you 
everything you need. Only, only this provision is better. It's spiritual provision. It's power. It's abundant life. And it, 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 it makes our cup overflow. Uh, Luke 10, 19, Jesus says this. He says, look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and, ready, over all the power of the enemy. That's spiritual abundance. You sit with me, you eat with me, even though the battle wages amongst you, even though the enemy breathes his murderous threats, if you sit down and dine with me, I will give you authority over that enemy. And that's the promise, right? Isn't that good, by the way? It's good. So it's not what I would want. It's better than what I would want, right? It, it lets me partake in the victory instead of just running away. So it gets us to the third point. And yes, I know this point starts with so. And if you don't like it, I will start every point with the word so from now on, okay? So, here's the third point. No matter what, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Okay? Listen, the promise is not that you won't have to face the enemy. The promise is not that you won't have a battle. After all, the 23rd Psalm says, though I walk through the valley. You're not staying in the valley. You're going to get through it. But, but there, there is a valley, right? You're going to have to face it. So if we know that, we know that God's response to that is to prepare a table there and, and to meet with us, then we need to make sure that we don't give the enemy a seat at that table where we find our provision. Uh, and, and here's how the enemy is described in Scripture, by the way. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be alert, right? Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. John 10, 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life abundantly. And, and when you put those two together, man, the enemy sounds terrifying, doesn't he? I, I, mean, I mean, listen, he's prowling about... He's roaring, he's stealing, killing, and destroying, right? That's, that's who he is, but you, you know what? Here's a little secret. The enemy's not a lion. It's not. He's a liar. It's not a lion. He prowls about, he roars like a lion, but there's only one lion in the Bible. That's Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion. So, so what happens is our enemy tries to convince us, oh, no, 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 like sometimes even, oh, that, that's the Lord's voice. Hear that roar, feel that, come, come sit down, let's talk about it, right? Do not give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't fall for it. You ever had somebody just walk up and insert themselves on one of your conversations? Come on, anybody? Talking with somebody, somebody just walks up. Have you ever been out to eat and have that happen? I, I, I have, like... My job, it happens, right? So be out to eat, sitting down, somebody's, oh, hey, it's so good to see you. Be like, well, it's our anniversary, but thank you. Um, <laughs> like it, it just happens, right? Now, I've never had anyone sit down in, in the book, right? This series was based off Louis Giglio's book. He actually tells a story of being overseas. He and his wife are out on a special case. Somebody recognizes him and pulls up a chair to sit at his table. He's like, oh. He's like, that person had good meaning. But it reminds me of what the devil tries to do with us. He tries to pull up a seat at our table. And what some of us need to be aware of is not only is that what he wants to do, uh, in some cases, he's already done it. He's already done it. So how, how do you know if the enemy's already sitting at your table? How do you know if you need to kick him out, right? So uh, four signs, real quick, straight from that book. 
Uh, I just thought they were too good not to share, and I'm, I'm watching time, I promise. Uh, so here we go, four sons. Number one, uh, you think that you're not going to make it. If the devil's sitting at your table, right, he's there to steal that provision that God's giving you, and so when he starts sucking that provision of God away, you start to feel like you're not going to make it. Right? We saw this, by the way, in our reading, uh, right, in, in, in 1 Samuel 27. Uh, it, it says, Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. David actually got to a point, David, this is God's anointed king. God has said, Dude, you're going to rule my people. From you comes my son. Like David didn't get it yet, but this is part of God's eternal plan. David is running for his life. The fear sinks in, and he literally hears the enemies at his table, and he actually believes that he's going to perish at the hand of Saul. That's what he believed in his heart. And listen, if, if you let the enemy have a seat at your table, he's going to tell you the same thing, man. He's going to say, you are not going to make it through this. Anxiety is going to take over. Fear is going to take over. These are his tools, right? He raises them up as giants in our life. Some of you are having trouble breathing just hearing it, right? Don't go there. That's the enemy at your table. Don't give him a seat, right? The second way we know the enemy's at our table is we think that there's something better at another table, right? We're sitting here with all that God's given us. We're looking at the provision in our lives. We look at somebody else and we think, well, they, ha they seem to have it better than me, Right? Look at their life. I saw it on Instagram. Everything's great. They've got this new house. They've got this new truck. They also have $52 million of debt that you don't see. They're struggling. They fight all the time. But you don't see that. It looks better at that table. Right? And, and listen, guys, this goes all the way back to the garden. The first time that Satan shows up in the story in the garden, what does he say? He says, surely that's not what God said. God's holding out on you. He knows that if you do that, you're going to be like him. Right? He's, he's dangling. It's better to be like him. Eat the fruit. That's what he does. Anytime we're not content with the provision that God has given us. And listen, God has given us everything we need. And anytime we're not content with that, it's a sign that the enemy is seated, uh, seated at our table. Third sign, we think that we're not good enough. Ever wonder if the enemy's at your table? Do you think that you're not good enough? It's a sign that he's at your table. Listen, 23rd Psalm, right? I, I, and the Lord will prepare, good shepherd is going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. couple things there. Uh, that, that, that phrase, prepare a table, it means a bounty, it means a feast, okay? Only important people throw feasts uh, during this time, so you've got to be an important person. And guess what? Only important people are invited to feast. God, the important person throwing it. You, the important person invited to it. You matter to God. It's huge. It's true. You absolutely matter to God. He cares about you. Fourth son that the enemy's at your table is you think everyone is out to get you. You think everyone is out to get you. There's this little whisper in your ear. Right? Paranoia comes up. Right? It happened in the life of Saul over and over. He's somehow afraid that David, who just wants to serve him, wants to steal his kingdom away, which is not... The deal. It, it even happened in, in David's brother's uh, life, Eliab, right? Listen, when that voice says to you, that voice says to you, watch out, or you better watch your back, uh, I have a question for you. If, if you ever feel that way, like everyone's out to get you, that voice of paranoia comes up, Here, here's my question. Why does it matter who might be out to get you if the good shepherd has already got you? All right? 
Why does it matter who might be aiming for you? If the, it, it doesn't matter who's trying to get you if the good shepherd has already got you. He's got you in his hand. He's not going to let you go. Okay? It makes a huge difference. So, uh, what do we do with this message and uh, in, in wrapping up this series? I think there's a few things. Number one, you need to make sure that Jesus is your shepherd. You need to make sure that the Lord is your shepherd. Right? That's how, how that psalm is. Like that's, that's why it mentions uh, David's a shepherd. David's a shepherd. David's a shepherd. There's a better shepherd coming. He, he's the good shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. And if you don't know the Lord personally, and that doesn't mean that you know about him, it means literally that you become his sheep. The Bible says at the end of times that there'll be a great separation. All the sheep, the children of God will be on one side. All the goats, those people that have rejected his invitation to the table are going to be set aside. And they'll be separated from God forever. That's terrifying. I don't like to talk about it, but it's reality. But here's the, the good news. But for all that receive him, for all that receive Jesus, the good shepherd, God has given them the ability to become sons and daughters of God, children of God. That's the gospel. And you can do that today. You just have to say, God, here I am. I need you in my life. I've messed up. I've heard today that you want to be my guide. Would you please come into my life and do that? Just take over. And he will do it today in you. All right? So that's the first part. Second part, we need to make it a point to daily dine with Jesus. Right? If he is our shepherd, and, and, and as the good shepherd, he prepares a table before us in the presence of the enemy, that means a couple things. One, it means the enemy is present. Stop acting like he's not. You can't go through life without God. Because the enemy is present. And you're going to get your butt handed to you. Right? You need to daily dine with Jesus to get the provision that you need to walk through the valley. That's what you need. So make it a point to do it. Um, we're nice around here. We give you a couple days understanding that you might need a cheat day or two. We've got five days we ask you to spend during the week literally just reading Scripture, praying with God. We're believing you're talking to the Lord on the other two days. But, but man, make it a point to daily dine with Jesus. And lastly, I would encourage you, I would implore you, guard your table closely. Don't just have time with Jesus. Guard your time with Jesus. Guard your life. Guard your thoughts. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to start thinking thoughts that aren't of the Lord. The Bible says that not every spirit is from God, that we've got to test the spirits. You've got to make sure. I gave you four signs the enemy's at your table. You've got to make sure when you're feeling those way that the enemy's not at your table. Okay? Make sense, guys? All right. Uh, this, this series has stretched me. Uh, I hope it has stretched you. It's made me look at some um, things in my life, caused me to do some double takes. I hope it's done the same for you. Uh, next week, we begin a brand new series uh, entitled, But God, right? There's a lot of times in Scripture and in life that we feel like um, we're kind of our backs against the wall, that everything seems hopeless. And, uh, and a lot of times in those moments that somebody in the Bible finds their situation really dark and dire, uh, Scripture will say, But God. But God remembered, but God did, but God moved, but God acted. And I just want to remind you that that's who our God is. And so join us next week. Love for you to do that. I'm going to pray for us. Miss Catherine's got a couple announcements. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for your word, which is good. And we pray this morning um, that you would help us put that word into practice, Father. Um, just, it, 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 it's, it's a tough one. 
but it's what we need. Thank you for sending Jesus to come and be our good shepherd. Help us to follow his leading. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.